Hello, welcome to episode five of the Inspire 2020 Visionary uh, Chat Series. I'm delighted to be joined uh, today by uh, none other than Brian Penny. Brian, how are you? Hi, how's it going, Simon? Delighted to be here. Yeah, it's great to see you. And I, I just finished your book um, last night. Uh, so your book is Author of Bonus Time. So your book is Bonus, Bonus Time, A True Story of Surviving the Worst and Finding Magic in Every Moment. And um, I just, I'm still kind of reeling from how it resonated in my, my mind, my gut and my soul, you know, it was really powerful stuff. Um, but we'll talk about that in a bit and, and about your life. You're also a keynote speaker. Um, you're a life change strategist. You're a lecturer at UCD and, and Trinity and your life has completely 360 kind of morphed in the last, you know, number of years. And so uh, and I wish you all the best with the book. I think it's a really, really powerful book, and the message is so strong for people. So um, it's great to see you. So it just maybe if you can just share in a few minutes a snapshot of your life and, and how you got to where you got to, and then how you got to writing the book. Yeah, and I'll run through pretty quick. So where, where it happens for me from the day I was born, and it, like it's the first page of the book. It's it, there's a there's a great line. A uh, great line I love is "Congratulations, you survived the war. Now live with the trauma." Yeah. And like, so, so I, I I had a, a big operation when I was a baby and an infant. And yeah. infants at that in 1978 did not get a general anaesthetic, which is crazy to think of that. And it was only in 1985 that you realised that. So I, I went through a lot of trauma as an infant, and then yeah. I came up in, a, in an alcoholic home as well, loving home but alcoholic home, yeah. and a lot of problems in the home. And I was just really wired through trauma, and I was just wired for anxiety. That's what I fundamentally believe. I was a, I was always a very restless kid, agitated kid, and I was just always fearful, worrying about the world, and so anxious. Yeah, and, I, I, that resonates with me. They talk about yeah. in step programs. <clears throat> Um, it, uh, restless, irritable, and discontent, and that was always me as well. So that resonated. Yeah, yeah it's crazy, and, it, and I don't think I, I haven't got the. Like, as I got a little bit older as well, I think I thought I was normal. I thought everyone felt like I did. I I, I sort of normalised that, yeah. and it was only then when I found drugs. Like I, I was doing well in school. I was doing well at football. It was when I found drugs in my area. I came from a pretty disadvantaged area, you could say. Yeah. I found drugs at fifth, fourteen, and fifteen, and it gave me a sense of relief. Well, yeah. I try. I said I tried heroin once when I was sixteen, seventeen actually. And Jim Morrison, wherever I'm at in the Jim Morrison's, try heroin. I try everything once. <laughs> right, let's try heroin once. Yeah. And the chapter in my book is is called Falling in Love, and it's about my fourth right. night doing heroin. And it was just like a warm, soft, warm blanket wrapped around my soul, protecting me from my trauma, my anxieties, and that restlessness and discontent. Yeah. And although it took me a few years to get strung out, strung out, and um, that just spiraled like into into a world of addiction and I ended up as a heroin addict for 15 years. Yeah, no, I, I, I get all of that. And I call it I, that, that warm blanket you talk about, I call it the pink fuzzy cloak, you know, when, when, yeah. when, and, and, and it, I also think that, you know, that the relief, the initial relief from substance for somebody who is imbued with anxiety as we were, right. It's like, yeah. it's like a cloak for our fear right it's but it's not a real it's not real is it it's just an it's invisible cloak that actually yeah. eventually gets us around the neck so so, may, so yeah. maybe carry on then in terms of your journey and, and how, where 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 the abuse got to, to you too and then where was the dropping off point for you 
Yeah, so I'm really where I went from me. So the, the big part of my journey was that I was a functional addict. So even though I was um, a heroin addict, I was a registered heroin addict on methadone program, including and taking heroin for 12 of them years. Yeah. And basically what kept me in that loop was like the book isn't even about addiction. It's about self-deception. And really? I was just really able to deceive myself. Like there's a line in the book that I think captures it. And it says, I was a black belt in self-deception. And I could cross any boundary take any action by telling myself a lie and believing it. And that's what I did. And it really just brought me on a journey of drug taking, drug dealing. I started selling cocaine, selling any drug I could to yeah. get me, get so I could buy heroin as me, as me habit spiraled out of control. Yeah. And it was the stage where I brought my mom and my sister on drug deals. They didn't even know they were on, so I could get yeah. a lift. I brought my family into the depths of, de the depths of despair. And... Where it ended for me was, um, I, I basically, the drug stopped working. I lost my job. I lost my health. I lost everything. I, everything, yeah. every relationship in my life, everything went. Yeah. And the drop-off point was me. I, I still wasn't willing to give up the drugs. I was like, right, I still need, I, I need to get clean. But then I need to rejig and take some drugs to cope with anxiety. Because I yeah. can't live without anxiety. My story was, I cannot cope with anxiety. I need drugs to survive, heroin specifically. Yeah. So when I tried to get into a detox center, I had actually too much of a, too many benzodiazepine on top of other things in my system. Yeah, yeah. And it says, right, you're too much of an insurance risk or a health risk for detox. So I ended up having a couple of grand mal convulsive seizures at home, trying to yeah. do a home detox. And the first one of them, which is the prologue of the book, which is in the kitchen, I'm in the kitchen, it's a sitting room right there. I woke up on the floor, blood everywhere, and I'd actually driven my teeth through my tongue through a That's seizure. That's right. That's right. And that was the start for me. That was I went to the hospital and I had an experience in the hospital. I woke up on my own. I had an experience looking at this fire extinguisher on a wall. And it was a red fire extinguisher, but yeah. it didn't make sense to me. It was like, why is that? I knew, I knew the colour red and I knew the word fire extinguisher and I couldn't put the words together. Yeah, yeah. And I was just thinking on the trolley, oh my God, you're brain damaged. You've done it. That's game over, man. That's yeah, done, yeah. done damage. And yeah. I was waiting for this dread and anxiety to come over me. But I remember just started having this sense of relief. And I just, the way I try to describe it is I stopped fighting with reality. I stopped fighting with my own mind and I accepted the reality in my situation. Yeah. And that's the space for me to change my life. That, that's amazing. And the other thing that I was really taken with was that it, it seemed like it was almost like once you, once you, once that decision or once that event I don't know whether it's your, your decision or whether it just happens to you, right? But It just happens. It just it, happens. Yeah. I, I agree. It just happens. And I've been through a similar yeah. thing. I had a spiritual experience in 2009, uh, 2009, and it just happens, right? Whether yeah. you call it higher power or universe or whatever, it, or, the, the, or the being, you know, Eckhart Tolle talks yeah. about being. You also mentioned three books that really influenced you. Eckhart Tolle's Power of Now, um, Buddha's Brain, which I've just finished reading. Um, Have you? And another one about awareness, you know. And where Anthony DeMello, that's me number one. Yeah, 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 yeah great. I'm currently great. reading a book called uh, Into the Magic Shop. Have you heard of that one? I haven't, no. Have no. a look at Into no. the Magic Shop. It's Into I've the only, Magic Shop. I okay. uh, just started reading it. It's powerful, powerful. It's a story of a neuroscientist in the States who came from a, a, a broken family and as a kid walked into a magic shop, right, and met this woman. Yeah. And over the course of six weeks, basically this woman taught her the skills you wrote about, you know, and but it's profound, it's profound. So, but, but what I was saying before was that once it happened to you, it seemed to be like you moved your life or your life moved into a positive direction really quickly, right? And yeah. looking back, did it feel that quick or 
was it a progress or how did that from so let's talk about from when that happened to you onwards can you remember the process of getting from there to where you are today you, you know phd you, you know you're doing a phd you're doing international speaking circuits book and everything what did that process feel like <clears throat> yeah, it was crazy son and i would actually say that it started off quickly and slowed down it started off so quickly that it was a little bit manic to an extent as well yeah, so yeah. When I was in the detox facility and um, i started reading about eastern philosophy so i went to a detox facility then and i started reading about eastern philosophy now the fire extinguisher were instant that was the moment that sort of cracked the ego and gave me a chance to change but then yeah. i had another sort of perspective shift where i realized that the world just went very very quiet and still and, and, and energy came into my life and how I tried to describe it was like, I remember walking out to the farm, it was my first day clean, the 8th of October, 2014. Yeah. And I went to the farm of the detox center and it was just like the world just came alive. Yeah. And when I started reading about Eastern philosophy and I was drawn towards that kind of stuff and meditation, I started meditating in that detox facility. And I remember on one, in one of the meditations, they were saying, um, let the thoughts come in and let the thoughts go out. And I had this realization that my mind was so quiet. It was just like, there was a stillness there. Yeah. And that sort of, I was fascinated by this, the human psyche, everything about that, what is the nature of human suffering? How can I help others? Yeah. And there was a girl that came in, a professor, a woman that came in, a professor for an fMRI study. Yeah. Brain study. And I was part of that. And she actually said to me at one stage, she says, but you've got to be sharp mind. And she was talking about how I was answering the questions. And I was like, yeah. wow, she's a scientist. Maybe I'm not brain damaged. And she put me onto that book called Buddha's Brain. Yeah. And little, I planted a little seed that maybe I could go back to college. Yeah. And what happened, what, what I call an addiction and something I'm looking into now is called transforming desires. So yeah. I switched addictions and I became intensely curious about learning about these concepts on psychology. Yeah. And it really just fired from there. I went down and I, I signed up for a, a psychology degree and that's yeah. led me to PhD that I'm doing now as well, which, which still is looking to an extent into the nature of self-talk, how yeah. emotions are in our language and how mindfulness is implicated in that. So that whole experience has really culminated in the process that I'm on now. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, there's a moment like so. I went through a similar thing in 2009, and I, I, I you know, I, I, I abused drink, right? And it's only this year I've started telling my story, right? And yeah. I reached a horrendous rock bottom, and <clears throat> I went for a swim in an open air pool in Fremantle, West Australia, the day before I had drunk alcohol, right? I had no intent or inclination that I wouldn't drink again, right? And I got into this open air pool. It was December the 9th, 2009, right? I would say I dived in, but I, was, I could never dive. I jumped into the pool, right? I went under yeah. and momentarily, it was split second, right? I didn't see flashing lights or see God or Jesus, but for a split second under that water, right? An overwhelming sense hit me and it was so overwhelming, it felt like words. And the words were exactly, Simon, you never need to worry again. And then I came up, right? Wow. And my life has been very different since then, right? And... I don't, I don't know what that voice, what, what, what do you think that voice could be, right? It, I mean, because I lived intense anxiety, imposter syndrome all my life until then, which was at the age of 41. What, what is it happens? Is it, is it as simple as when somebody is at rock bottom, they've either got two ways to go, they can either keep going rock bottom or they're just finally ready. They're ready for something new. Is that what happens, do you think? Or 
It's really crazy, Simon, because like I, I teach the neuroscience of mindfulness and the neuroscience of addiction. Yeah. I'm in the Institute of Neuroscience and everything around neuroscience and learning sort of shapes that everything happens as a process, consistent practice, which is brilliant because you can shape yeah. them experiences. Yeah. So the perspective shift and that big massive change goes against the biology. Yeah. So I think it's funny you mentioned the voices because I think I had, I, I call mine a perspective shift and it felt like a verbal shift, like the yeah. internal narrative was changed. Like my narrative was, as I mentioned, I cannot cope with anxiety. I need drugs to survive, heroin to survive. Yeah. My yeah. story today, now, so I think I dropped that story and I left the space for something else. But yeah. my story today is I'm the happiest person I know. Adversity doesn't stop me. It fuels my ability to thrive. And that's that I act on that. But it's interesting. It's, it was very variable for me and it's variable mm -hmm. for you. You me don't too. have to worry anymore. So you probably, I'm just thinking here now, like you probably developed a story from that. I don't have to worry anymore. Like what a powerful story that is. I, I don't have to worry anymore. I know, like I know. You fully believed it. It's, 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 I think the power of belief is a fantastic thing as well. I believed something profound happened to me and that it was going to be clean forever. Yeah. You, you, you yeah. mentioned on page, I think it's 286. I've written the pages down because it was just last night, but you mentioned, and I love this little line, the best things in life are often the other side of fear. Right. And then you say yeah. true connection lies um, through challenges, vulnerabilities, suffering and fear. Right. What, what, yeah. what maybe just expand on that, because I think you're 100 percent right. I think the best things in life are often the other side of fear. But what did you mean by that? Yeah. Um, what, what, what I meant by that is like the uncomfortable conversations that we don't have, the, um, the chances that we don't take the yeah. risks that we don't take, the fear of rejection. Um, and I think in, rejection is the big one because it's like mm -hmm. it's fundamentally ingrained into our beings, like from, from an evolutionary perspective, like 3,000 years ago, if you got rejected out of tribe, you're dead. And yeah. we're still on the same machinery, like computers yeah. and the cities are only very new. So we're still on yeah. that biological machinery. So rejection is very powerful. So you have all these inner drives, fear of rejection, fear of failure, fear of people saying no if you, if you put out your hand. Fear, fear of success, of, fear of success fear as well. Success, fear of success, yeah. Because if you go for your dreams and you fail at that success, where else is there to go? I know. It's all of that. And, and, and the funny thing is that people would rather stay in the safe zone and not take them risks when that is the only place where true failure lies. Like you're not even yeah. putting yourself out there to be slapped. So you've got to make yourself vulnerable. You've got to face them fears because that's where all the gains are. Yeah. The other thing that really resonated was I can't remember which one it was, but there, were, there was a time, I think it was with one of the banks and you had to go and give a, a talk to a big crowd. And yeah, it, really resonated, talk, yeah. it really resonated with me because I'm still quite nervy when I get in front of big crowds. I love it though. Once it starts, I get a real yeah. rush of adrenaline, right? But in the yeah. olden days, before I, before, I, before I stopped worrying like I used to, right? I used yeah. to give these big talks at international conferences in Australia and Canada and stuff. And... I would wind myself up so badly inside and I would have to revise and learn, rote learn every line, right? But by doing that, that would wind me up even more because then I'd be thinking, oh my God, what if I forget it, you know? And you, you were saying you had the same. Whereas today, I had a bit of a breakthrough last year because I was invited by a good friend, Joe Dalton, to co-host a radio show here. And the, the first few times I was really terrified and I had notes written down, but that just wound me up even more because I thought, what yeah. if I forget my notes? So I found today that just by being me, right, just by accepting yeah. that I am going to trip up my words, I am going to 
as I did at the start, I said, you're the author of the author of, you know, it doesn't matter. <laughs> people don't care that people don't hear that stuff. Right. No, and not the, point. the point is we spend our lives worrying what other people think rather than living our lives. That's the reality. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. It's mad. And, and that's, that's mad. And that's the essence of it. It's on the other side of fear, like the fear of being yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yourself. It's yeah. crazy. I, reached out at one stage to lots of different uh, business people and that's what that's how I got the, the talk in AIB and I launched the speaking career I have today it was yeah. Bernard Bourne, CEO in AIB right. at the time and um, I remember reaching out to them and so many of them got back to me and helped but the one lesson I got there was certain people didn't get back to me and that's fine that's fine and the, yeah. fine and the big I got the biggest life lesson in my life from that and it was literally this be true to your wonderfully weird self You'll attract what you need and repel what you don't. Because yeah. what I found was, if I'm completely honest, like the email I sent them was, I think I said, I'm a ridiculously passionate learner. I'm on a mission. I'm a heroin addict. I was a heroin addict. I want to help people. I was like on a page below. The amount of them that got back to me and the ones that didn't, obviously we wouldn't avoid it. So that's good. So yeah. I repelled them. Not, not repelled them in a bad way. Like they weren't interested in what I had to say, which yeah. was great. I didn't waste their time. They didn't waste my time. No yeah. game. And the people that got back to me, we vibed and we've created great relationships since. Yeah. The other thing I loved uh, what you were talking about, and you mentioned it two or three times during the book, was that you don't, you, you don't regret having, quotes lost those years, right? Because yeah. A, there's no point in regretting that. That's only going to cause, it just drags you, right? And the other thing is, yeah. everything we've been through, you and I, we, we wouldn't be where we are today. You wouldn't be doing talks. You wouldn't have written the book. You wouldn't have your online program if you hadn't been through that stuff. So everything is meant to be at any one time, isn't it? Did you agree with that? Yeah. Everything's meant to be. 100%. And the thing is, all you ever have is the present moment. Like right exactly. now, this conversation is all we ever have. You will never smell the future or taste the past. I know. Yeah. You regret the past. You can, it can feel bad about missed opportunities. But they're gone. You only ever have the present moment. And, and the regret is a funny thing because you're going to lose your future by regretting the past. Yeah. And all you ever have is the moment. <laughs> I know. I know. And the, you, the other thing you said was, you know, don't be afraid of asking. And I think you say in the book, you know, if you don't ask, it'll always be a no, right? And, and yeah. I've been through the same thing as you. Like it was about four or five years ago, I was asked, I decided to write an ebook, a, a corporate deal making ebook. Because that was what I was ready to do at the time. I wasn't ready really to talk about myself, although I'm starting to write. I'm writing my own book, as you know. Um, yeah. And and but at the time, I remember thinking, nobody knows Simon Haig. I need to reach out and find somebody famous. So eventually, I came across this Marshall Goldsmith guy, who I hadn't heard of at the time, but he's been the world's number one leadership thinker. And to my amazement, I remember I connected with him on LinkedIn. To my amazement, he responded. And then my imposter syndrome said. That can't be him. That must be one of his staff. But it was him. And we ended up talking. And he, to cut a long story short, he wrote the forward to that book, the forward to my paperback that came out at the beginning of last year about deal closing. And he's endorsed my work, right? And since then, you know, I've been reaching out. I've, I've got 16 people now in this series. And one person has said no. One person hasn't responded. But 17 have said yes, right? And it just shows that... That, 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 that what's the point what's what's wrong in asking what's wrong in asking and yeah i think it's you're right it's this ingrained in our culture um you know i i know your background i came, i came from a working class irish english family in england and in our culture 
you know, it was like lower class, middle class, upper class, lower class. You never, you never asked anybody in middle or upper class, but it's rubbish. Yeah. It's rubbish. It's all self-imposed territory, isn't it? Yeah, self-imposed boundaries. They, 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 we're, we're, we're putting ourselves in, in, a, in a camp and not in a, in a prison and we're not letting ourselves out of prison. And it's an invisible prison. It doesn't even exist. It doesn't exist. No. Crazy. No. The, the big one for me, even Simon, you would have read it in the book, but it's one I love. Like, so John Boyle, it was like, I think yep. he's a billionaire, I think. He's Ireland's leading... Dundalk. Uh, you mentioned the trip to Dundalk. Yeah. So um, was, he started from scratch and I, I reached out to John. He was the second interview I had. And um, like billion, billion, billion euro empire. Like when you think about yeah. it, it's crazy. And I went up to John and John um, asked me, um, what's called, what's your birthday? And I said, 6th of April. And he said, no, you're real birthday. He said, that's why. And I said, I just knew what he was saying. He was talking about, and I says, oh, 8th of October. And yeah. he was in recovery as well, 27 okay. years of recovery. And we've become such close friends since then. Yeah. And it was there I got the title from the book. I remember the first interview, three hour chat we that's had. Right. Unbelievable. And yeah. he says, Brian, no way you're standing here right now because you don't give a crap. You're living on bonus time. Yeah. And I remember uh, that's where I got the name of the book. And it's just like, given a second chance at life, just go for it. Forget about yeah. the fears. You know? So to tell me, just move on. So just tell me a little bit about the program because I actually went on your website today and clicked subscribe and I got an email back and it showed me, I haven't read it yet, but the nine stages. But in the book you talk about, and forgive me if I get this wrong, but I think number one, you, you talk about why we suffer and how to break uh, the focus of that through self-awareness. So maybe talk a little bit about what, why do we suffer and how do you break that through self-awareness? Yeah. So for me, this is, um, so I, I'm developing a lot of master classes and that was the nine strategies that you got there on my email, but I'm developing yeah. a new course around this and it's about the program. Yeah. So for me, the reason why we suffer, and I'm, I'm talking about emotional and psychological suffering here, and it's like, there can be trauma involved in that as well. So there can yeah. be biological processes, but really I'm talking about the, 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 the suffering in our own minds. Yeah. And it really comes with the, the narrative. Like we have 60,000 thoughts a day, 60,000. And most of them are verbal. Pretty much all of them are verbal. Now, the science shows that emotions travel through language. Like, if I say to you, if I throw a snake at you, you yeah. literally get fright if you're afraid of snakes. If I say the word snake, you get afraid. Like, fear travels through the words. And this is the science is grounded. The, the, the robust science shows this. Yeah. So, basically, the narrative we have in our head, if you say you can't cope, if you say you're not good enough, if you say you're a failure and you, can't, you tell yourself you're anxious, you're going to believe that stuff. You're going to feel that stuff. Absolutely. You're going to yeah. And for me, it's the nature of suffering, thinking it like anxiety lives in the future, depression lives in the past, them kinds of thought patterns. Yep. And if you're either way, and sometimes most people are both, it's yeah. that incessant yeah. thinking and that, that, that internal chatter, the thinker. And that's where suffering lies. And I think the only way salvation from that is like people say yeah, meditation, you can quiet in the mind. But I think it's built through self-awareness. It's more like yeah. not quiet in the mind so the mind goes quiet. It's to become the observer of the mind. Yeah, observing these thoughts and you become the witness of these thoughts it's not you anymore i used to think i used to look in the mirror and i used to say right i look like an addict i think like an addict i feel like an addict yeah yeah looks in the mirror it's the same person looking in the mirror i don't yeah. look like a, i don't think like an addict i don't feel like an addict yeah so these change so i become the observer of my thoughts and then it's not who i am there's yeah. a sense of detachment there and i just think that's where self-awareness lives and that's the foundations of of, of, of getting out of suffering for me. That, that, that's, for me, that's spot on, right? So there's a couple of things in that. So there's a, there's a saying in 12-step programs, and it's, you are not your thoughts. And you're not your thoughts. Yeah. Like you're, and the other thing then to build on that, 
you know, the, the, the wonderful Eckhart Tolle in The Power of Now uses the analogy, I think it was him, of the drill, right? So if you want to quieten your mind, right? So if you want to go and drill a hole in the wall, what do you do is you go to the garage, you get a drill, you bring it into the house, you drill a hole in the wall, you put the drill back in the shed or the garage, and then you come back in, right? And, and, and he says, that's what we should do with our minds, right? We should use our mind. And we need to do a piece of work, right? We go into yeah. our mind, use it, clinically but really effectively right do the piece of work and then when we finished it rest our minds and, and rather than staying in that constant state of fear and anxiety and that for yeah. me what kind of what you're talking about is use your mind as a really powerful tool but don't live in your mind you know because don't live there yeah you know? and the other thing was, it's, it's, yeah sorry yeah it's, it's just on the Eckhart Tolle stuff as well and what, what's the thing he says he, he talks about it in terms of psychological time and clock time that's like right. we have to for the future we have to we have to plan to to, to for a skype call to have a meeting but yeah. if it's it becomes psychological then all of a sudden what if that goes wrong what if yeah. i mess up the alliance what if i and that's where the psychological stuff comes in so you have yeah. to plan but in that strategic drill mannered way and then uh, exactly yeah. the other thing that around that was and i think you said it as well and but a good friend of mine justin caffrey uh when we first met, we would go, he would we'd go walking in the woods up there in Enniskerry, like every Wednesday morning, or whatever. And I thought it was, I thought this was a waste of time, right? I'd never really meditated. I've been in a spiritual program for 14 years, but I never really meditated, right? And yeah. three or four times I noticed, so we would walk for half an hour in silence together, right? And the first three times I thought, this is completely mad. And I, but I noticed my mind was working at a million miles an hour, right? And I was just thinking about all sorts of things. I remember sitting down with him in Poppy's cafe there in Enniskerry and I was saying, there's a million things in my head, Simon. And he said, no, there isn't. There's only ever one thing. There's just lots of things happening. There's a lot of, lot of things happening consecutively in your head because there's a lot of noise there. And it made me yeah. think, he's right. There's only ever really one thing. So why don't we slow down? Why don't... So then we carried on doing this for about 12 weeks. And I noticed by the last two or three times, it was the opposite, right? I noticed all I could sense was the sound of the twigs under my feet and I heard the music and I couldn't, I didn't even notice my head, you know? So that was just in 12 weeks. And that was just by showing up every week, walking in silence, initially feeling very awkward. So it's amazing what you can just switch in just a short yeah. period of time, you know? <laughs> it's amazing. And, and it doesn't, it doesn't take that long. It's, oh. it's crazy. Justin is brilliant. I know Justin himself is great. He's a great yeah, guy. Yeah. No. And it's um yeah, it's just that sense of he is like as well, but it doesn't take that long with the consistent practice. And I think you need a little aha moments as well. That's where you need the right people around you. Sometimes something just drops, and you're like, ah, that's what that is. It's yeah. Amazing. So the second step then in your in your, where you mentioned in the book after why we suffer and how we break through the, that, that that through self awareness. Then you talk about reducing stress and anxiety by simplifying life, and then using mindfulness tools mindset change strategies i mean particularly now with what's going on in the world you know this is probably the first time in the history of humankind that none of us in the world will forget this time right this is like a circuit breaker for human psyche right and and it's you know everything passes right but but i think the the effect of this is now i think people are starting to realize this could go on for quite a while you know and there may i'm an optimist but but we might have to keep distance for months if not years you know and so how how in the work that you do like i mean you what you're doing is really much more important now because people so many people who don't 
haven't had the, the misfortune, but then the fortune of going through what you and I have gone through and the, out the other side, a lot of people are suffering and struggling. So how, is there anything in particular you can do to help people during this time? Yeah, um, well, what I would say, there's loads of techniques and strategies and stuff like that, and it's great. But I think the problem right now is that people, and it's, it's back to addiction nearly, like people are, yeah. there's a lot of people drinking more, eating more, yeah, people yeah. escape their feelings, like bad feelings, anxiety does not feel good. So if something doesn't feel good, you want to get away from it. And you I might know. drink more, eat more, all of these kinds of things to comfort yourself and more feels better. So I think that addiction side could be very dangerous as well. Yeah. And one thing I would say is like when you have them feelings, to feel them feelings, don't try to avoid them, to actually feel them feelings. Yeah, yeah. Some kind of a meditation practice is absolutely critical. Getting a routine into your life is absolutely critical. And yeah. the basics, exercise, sleep, reducing alcohol intake, all yeah. of these kinds of basics. But the one big one that I would say to people, and it's really a really simple little thing, identify what you can control and identify what you can't. I've been doing a lot of online talks around this. It's, um, it's yeah. Stephen Coates. I got out of his book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Yeah. The circle of concern versus the circle of influence. And what's bothering people right now are the things in the circle of concern. Yeah. It's locked in COVID-19, what other people think, what other people do, social yeah. media the negative news we've no control over that but everyone's directing their energies towards that absolutely so what, yeah so what i done in lockdown was i i focused and it was like my book came out in the middle of lockdown and I, my whole pr campaign got trashed i was supposed to be on the late late show got cancelled yeah, all yeah. this kind of but i focused on what i could control my reaction to the situation so i started doing online talks i started helping and working on my mental health my actions my beliefs sorting out a good routine exercise and i've tried during lockdown because i focused on what i could control so my big message to people would be focus on what you can control and the funny thing is here what happened with me and what happens a lot is i start doing lots of online talks and all of a sudden i start selling lots of books through these online talks so i expanded my circle of concern i yeah. start selling books which was outside of my control yeah. my focus what was inside of my control so i think focusing on what you like just writing down a list i think writing it down is really crucial as well write down what's bothering you that you cannot control and then write down what you can control and yep. that little dynamic that little switch can be very very powerful i did that i've done that over the years i learned to do that along with gratitude lists and stuff and i did it yeah. probably most recently about three years ago when i had a lot of business worries right so i thought and yeah. and i found myself mushing up all my worries in my head and my wife and friends would say what are you worrying about? And I'd say, oh, everything, right? And that's rubbish, right? So what I did was I actually literally wrote down, broke them down, the things I'm worrying about, right? I broke them down. There was a list of about eight, right? But then when I looked at that list again, I chopped off a couple because they weren't really that important. And I got it down to about three or four. And then I just literally then stood back and I spent the next six months just literally chopping away at them, trying to get rid of them, you know? And so but I think we do that a lot. We just say, oh, I'm overwhelmed with what worry. We're not really. We don't need to be. Just break it down and go through it. And, and the other thing then is, as you said, you know, it'd be quite easy just to be sitting here. Like, like you, most of my work before this was face-to-face -face training, lecturing, tutoring, that stuff. And that's all completely stopped, right? So I could have just sat here thinking, oh, my God. But I've actually just thrown myself into the last six weeks of, I've, got, I've built this list of all the things I need to do online digitally to catch up. So I was so far behind. So in the last eight weeks, I've launched a course, relaunched a course. I've done Eventbrite online. I've got up to speed with Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I've, um, you know, I've done Twitter Live now, YouTube Live. All the stuff that I was 
I allowed the noise in my head to say I was too busy or too fearful of. Of course I wasn't, because I'm doing it now. So yeah. I've just been focusing every day on, and then routine, as you said, you know, eating well. I can't sneak out and get treats, which is good. You know? Yeah, yeah, it helps. <laughs> every day at 5, 5.30, I go for an hour and a half, two-hour walk with my wife. And it's just, so we have that routine. And, and so the weeks are just flying by, I'm finding, yeah. you know? So. Yeah, it's it's funny, and it, there's one thing that we uh, that we actually did, didn't touch on in the program that just jumps out with everything we're talking about here, and it's really the values piece. Like, what what watch out, watch out, what where your values lie? Yeah. And I think the thing that came to the fore with me, I start reflecting. I I, I, very, I have a core set of values, and some of them would be boldness. I love reaching out boldly, and um, accountability. I do what I say. Industry. Yeah. I, Worked on, and what I found was right. They're great values for me. They've served me well. But this is a new framework we're in now. So I start reevaluating my values, and I found other values being elevated to the top. Then flexibility became a core value. Patience, core value. Duty, connection. All of these kinds of things that are really just that help me to navigate my life in these tougher times. So I think yeah. it's a really important piece as well to think about them values and yeah. help them make your decisions for you then as well. Yeah, and then just finally, the, the final piece then, you talk about setting goals, and you mentioned the values there, and you know, setting goals, realistic goals is so important. So, and even as, as simple as what I've done, I've set, you know, I've got a whole schedule of all the digital things I want to do, and instead of getting overwhelmed, I'm just chipping off one at a time. My newsletter should go out finally next week. It's taken me two weeks to clear up all my databases, but there's no point in worrying, just chip away at stuff, so... So just to wrap up, Brian, so if you had any key messages to people out there who might watch or listen to this about what they can do to be optimistic about when we finally start coming through all this, what could people really do to really project forward to be the best version of themselves in a year or two's time without getting too carried away? What could people do? Yeah, and I think that there's so, and the, the key point is there that people, you can get carried away because there's so many yeah. tools, tactics, there's so many books, there's so many things to do. And what I would say to people is you've got to build momentum. I often think of that metaphor, like you can stop it, you can stop a train with a two by four if it's parked, but a bloody house wouldn't stop that if it gains momentum. So you need to get, you need to build that momentum. But yeah. A lot of people start big and they start trying to do too much and then the, the motivation levels drop and they fail. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, Build something realistic in, a realistic yeah. program into your life and stay consistent with it. Like a little gratitude practice. I think to get some meditation into your life is really, really critical. Yeah. And these really key tools are really, really important. Well, one big message that I like to get across to people as well, and it's, it relates to all this mental health stuff as well, is to explore, to, to, to monitor the words that you did, to monitor your story. What is your story? What are you telling yourself on a daily basis that's driving your actions? Because yeah, if you yeah. tell yourself you can't cope, you're not going to be able to cope. That's if right. you tell yourself, like I always say to myself, like if to, in, in any bit of uh, adversity, it's like, uh, what you got? It's like, why me? You could say, why me? Or what can I do about it? And yeah. what can I do that instills you into action? So be careful of the language that you're telling yourself and be the observer of that and try to build yeah. yourself. Because that's where, that's where the gold is, like when you start recognizing these patterns. And I think mindfulness meditation, some kind of some, something around that, to build that kind of self-awareness is critical. I think, I think you're right. I think self-awareness is the key. Um, and just calming down, situational awareness as well, being aware of who you're with and where you're at. But I think it's about awareness is the key. So Awareness is the key. It's the holy grail. 
It's the it is. Ground. It is. Anyway, yeah. Brian, it's been lovely chatting with you. The time's just flown by. And, it's uh, flown, and I'm just looking yeah. at it there. It was an absolute pleasure. So I loved it. Absolutely. So, so where do, how do people connect with you in terms of you and your book and everything? Yeah, so everything is on my website. So I'm on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, all them accounts, but you'll find everything on my website. So it's www.brianpenny.com, P-E-N-N-I-E. Right. And you can book the book there, all of my videos, my course, everything is literally from that website. So you get everything there. That's perfect. Thanks a lot, Brian. And I'll talk to you again soon. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye. See you now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.